This is Monica Perez, and I am here today with a little news roundup, not a deep dive, although I am ready to do some deep diving on the latest Gaza news, even though it is the reason I cannot listen to the news at all. It's all Gaza all the time, <laughs> but there are some developments and I don't think we can keep our, put our heads in the sand. But there are a few other things going on. A U.S. ambassador accused of being a Cuban spy, actually arrested for being a Cuban spy. Um, or was he? I'll give you some details on that. Elon Musk says the F word. Reminds me of Vicky the Noodle saying the F word. Could it be a big distraction? I'll tell you about that. And uh, a little bit about the destroyer and other U.S. ships that were attack, that's the report, in the Red Sea. I'll tell you what I think about that. And maybe we'll get to some other stories, too, if we have some time. Let's let's just hit it, shall we? And actually, I'm open for comments. If you are on YouTube, just log in and join the chat there, and I'll do comments at the end if we have time. All right, so here's the first story. The U.S. ambassador, former ambassador, uh, he is charged as a secret agent for Cuba. His name is Victor Manuel Roca. He served in U.S. embassies across Latin America and is accused of spying for Havana's secret intelligence service for decades. He was arrested on Friday. Uh, supposedly, he spied for Cuba for 40 years. He's 73, so I guess he started pretty young. He was the ambassador to Bolivia. But what's weird to me is that, um, now here's a quote. I believe this is from RT. Maybe this is a Wall Street Journal. Those are my two sources, the Journal, the Wall Street Journal and Russia Today. All right, Roca secretly supported the Republic of Cuba and its clandestine intelligence gathering mission against the United States by serving as a covert agent of Cuba's intelligence services. To do so, Roca provided false information to the U.S. and traveled outside the country to meet with Cuban undercover agents, according to the complaint. However... It looks like the charge is simply not registering as a foreign agent, which is really about lobbying and stuff. So I don't know where they're going with this. I'm always looking for the angle. I got a good tweet from Nacho Slave who says, got out of line and got thrown under the bus. That is actually my first pass at this because if you look, read the RT article, the Russia Today article, they go into his behavior in Bolivia, which was very, totally undermined the original election of Evo Morales. I think his successor there was chased out of town. So he definitely was doing the U.S. bidding in Latin America. Bolivia should be a natural partner of Venezuela and Cuba if they are really our enemies under the theory of enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I'm not 100% sure, but if I were, uh, you know, plus there's a lot of fanfare here. Merrick Garland is talking about it. It's very public. It doesn't have to be. They could sweep that kind of thing under the rug. And then, of course, for me, the thing that is tipping the scales that this is a little bit histrionic, fishy, whatever, is that Peter Strzok, that S-T-R-Z-O-K guy who always struck me as very, very fishy, um, the former deputy assistant director of the FBI Counterintelligence Division, said in a social media post, from Roca to the Cuban Five to Kendall and Gwendolyn Myers to Ana Montes to a remarkable run of success in running double agents, the Cuban intelligence services are very, very good. So maybe they're just trying to stoke up anti-Cuban sentiment. I have been thinking for a long time that Biden's, well, I've been thinking since 
the Haitian president was assassinated probably by the U.S. within days of Biden taking office, that the, that, and this like coupled with the whole multipolar world thing is that maybe the U.S., the, the like plan B or plan A is that the U.S. should be an extremely powerful, dominant hegemon, like regional leader in the Western hemisphere. So maybe they can't really take the globe, but they can square away the Americas. So that could be what this is, you know, a piece of that very probably complicated psyop. Uh, the, what he did in Bolivia, uh, he threatened to cut off economic aid if uh, people elected Morales and it actually put wind under, you know, air under Morales's wings, which could go either way. Maybe that was a, like reverse psychology, but Morales was was the victim of a coup. I've talked about this before. I think, honestly, because he wanted to build a lithium battery factory instead of just selling lithium to the West. Honestly, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened there. Um, all right, so that it was just like a big news story from today. A little, I learned in radio to have context and continuity, so one story should flow from the other. Uh, I'm not doing that <laughs> at all. I couldn't go for a more different story. I'm a little rusty. On my uh, <laughs> on my radio skills, okay. So one thing that caught my eye, just because I like numbers, although I'm not, I don't invest in stocks. I gave that up. I was not good at it, and because like I just I don't know when to stop looking deeper. You know, I just I feel like the the theory that you're taught is that all information is included in the stock. So anything that should be uh, important to the stock price should already be in the stock price. So it's a little, I can't get my mind around it. I'm too theoretical. Anyway, but I do still find it interesting, especially because I think that COVID was a giant excuse to save the Keynesian system by resetting interest rates or totally inflating the money supply to, I'm talking about reinflating the bubble making up for the bubble collapse from 2001, from the tech collapse. So the 2008 housing bubble collapse was part of that. So I think that this is correcting that 20-year-old debacle. And so it makes me a little confused about how this cycle will shake out. So they, because a lot of times, I think I talked about this last time, recessions shake out inventory, cut um, excess uh, employment, like the employees who were kind of hired to uh, deal with a really surging economy. But we did that. That's what recession, that's what happens during recessions, creative destruction, one interpretation of that phrase. But uh, so for me, um, the way the traders were, or whatever, the way the, um, the COVID policy worked, they did shake out inventory. They did cut employees. So I don't know if that recession type stuff really needs to happen. It's too soon to tell. But I have noticed a little one theme I'm looking for, and a lot of times you find what you're looking for, is uh, that so the article I saw in the Wall Street Journal today was retailer stocks are on the rise. And even though they're not doing great, they're doing better than expected. Um, consuming consumption was down or consumer spending was down recently, but it's, uh, Black Friday was performed better than expected. It was up a bit. But so I look at that stuff, but there was just this, this one line in the article 
another reason why retail stocks have rallied is that warehouses have reduced merchandise and store shelves aren't spilling over with discounted goods. Um, I also probably think employment has something to do with it. But so I don't know how much of a real recession we're headed for. However, I did it did say in the same article that it takes two years for the recession to start after the Fed starts raising rates. And that, by coincidence, would be March, this coming March, which would be the right time to start cutting rates if Powell wanted to, or whatever, who is it, Powell? Yes, um, wanted to cut rates to help Biden. If they wanted to help him win the election, that would be like kind of the traditional thing to do. But we're not, we are not in a traditional world anymore. and. It's not even 100% positive that Biden will be the nominee. I'm going to talk about that and uh, later in the show. Okay. Um, oh, actually, if you want to, I my kind of go-to guy for questions like this is Jason Purcell, who you've heard we've had this really extensive series on the dollar, dollarization and de-dollarization basically the past hundred years. People have liked that. Um, it's very mathy, but it's consumable, I think, because I'm kind of rusty and I can still follow along. But we're talking tomorrow, which is Tuesday, December 5th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to go to my YouTube channel, which I think is youtube.com slash Monica Perez, <laughs> fingers crossed. Otherwise, it's Monica Perez show. So if you go at that time, you can join in the chat and we'll ask questions of him because you, if you've heard those series, you know he's the answer man. So we've got that. Okay, let's go to Elon the Noodle. I mean, Elon Musk <laughs> saying whatever it is, fuck the advertisers or whatever it was. He had an interview recently, I think it was with um, the New York Times. It was like an, a video one, so you got to watch it. And they asked him basically about creating a safe space for advertisers on Twitter, now called X, which is his, uh, since he bought it. And he said, fuck them. He said, if the company goes under, if Twitter or X ceases to exist, the world will know it was because of the advertisers. The world will know. And then we'll see. The judge will be the court of public opinion. But of course, that's just silliness. I mean, it doesn't matter. And the, and the interviewer was, I don't know if he was flummoxed or playing along or what, but who cares what they think? If the company's gone, the company's gone. Another company will take its place. That anybody who's ever been fired from a job or thought he couldn't get fired from a job or gotten broken up with or whatever will know you think you are indispensable. No one and nothing is indispensable. And in my opinion, it might be a better thing to have it blow up because then you would have other companies take its place. Now, the one thing I do not like, I do not want, is the silo stuff. So I don't want a liberal one to take its place and a conservative one to take its place. I wouldn't like that. Maybe they want to blow it up because it is that one meeting ground for everybody. And uh, so for me, I've never been, I don't think I've ever been like really suspended from Twitter. It's the only place I haven't. And I think um, I might have abandoned Facebook on my own. Uh, actually, I've noticed that people who get suspended from Twitter are people who get like foul mouthed or get mean to each other. And I don't do that. So I have not got taken down from political stuff, but I have from everything else YouTube, WordPress, my own radio show. <laughs> you know, I think I wasn't told that officially, but that's what I think. 
So, um, and why do I, you know, why do I not take Elon at face value? Well, he's a ridiculous billionaire. Like, I believe that his net worth is basically like exactly equal to the amount of money the U.S. taxpayer has put into Tesla, for example. So he doesn't, he's not a genius. He's just a guy who, you know, and Trump is the same way. Like his family made a lot of money knowing how the government works, casinos, housing projects. These are highly regulated and, you know, it matters if you understand how the government works. It, they in, they either subsidize or restrain trade. So this guy saying that you've got to look deeper. It's not just he's, he, see, this is the thing. Right under the surface, you can see that what he's demonstrating is that he has fuck you money because he's saying fuck you to the money, right? The advertisers. He's literally saying those words. And that is the distraction. That's where it's like a magic trick. It's like Vicky the Noodle saying F the EU. Although that was hidden audio, they actually retrofitted that, but it worked great. But with him, he's obviously saying this stuff, uh, drawing fire to that, to that word and what he was saying there. But the reality is, if it gets taken down, if it goes under because it did not create a safe space for advertisers, and I personally don't believe advertisers need a safe space, that they started this vicious circle where you're supposed to cancel and then the advertisers have to cancel because people are canceling and it's not necessary. I mean, there, there should be enough advertisers anywhere for anything. And, but not everyone has fuck you money. So if Twitter goes under from this, then it's the squirrel nail to the tree. All the other squirrels will keep away from that attitude, that policy. So I, I feel like that's what is going on there. Um, so that's that. All right, what else have we got? Okay, this is, now I do have a bunch of related stories. And actually, maybe I should have reordered that because one of my many stories here um, that are related is this hashtag abandon Biden um, movement. Uh, but I am going to, yet again, push that down because I think before we get into the Gaza stuff, I want to hit on the U.S. destroyer that it says U.S. destroyer and commercial vessels were attacked by drones and missiles in the Red Sea. So let me just read the first little blurb in the Wall Street Journal. A U.S. destroyer and three commercial ships operating in the Red Sea came under drone and ballistic missile attacks, the Pentagon said Sunday, marking the most significant escalation of a weeks-long military attack on ships operating in those waters. Um, okay, so it says, In two instances on Sunday, the USS Kearney, an Arleigh Burke-class destroyer, came under attack, including while responding to distress calls from nearby commercial ships that faced missile attacks, the Pentagon said. The Kearney also shot down a drone that flew nearby. Now, they're saying that Iran-backed Houthi forces in Yemen claimed responsibility for the attacks, and the Pentagon warned Sunday that they could be met with a U.S. response and pointed part of the blame on Iran. It says these attacks represent a direct threat to international commerce and maritime security. They have jeopardized the lives of international crews representing multiple countries around the world, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's CENTCOM, U.S. Cent Central Command. So here, there's so many things wrong with this, okay? First of all, there's so many things wrong with it. First of all, let me just square away the Iran thing. Yemen has been incredibly mistreated for decades by the U.S. I have an article from, I think, the 80s that says, let's, it's like an academic article presented to, like, the insider government people, whatever, State Department. Let's experiment 
or maybe it was from the early 90s. Let's experiment with letting Yemen be a failed state since Russia isn't there as an alternative. Let's just see what happens if you just let it go. And then, and I believe since then, Yemen has been one of the poorest countries in the world, if not the poorest country in the world. Saudi Arabia does care about it because they have some important straits that lead from the Red Sea to the Indian Ocean. And I think, I was trying to see how the waterways work. This is not my area. So if anybody's listening and it is my area, um, is your area, let me know. But I think you can go through uh, from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean through the Straits of Gibraltar, which is like eight miles long. I think you can go from the Mediterranean to the Red Sea through the Suez Canal, which is like, I think, 120 miles long. And then you have to get out of the Red Sea through the Straits of, um, it's like called the Straits of Tears or something. I don't know what it's called. It's like an Arabic name, into the Indian Ocean. And part of this makes me think that that idea of the Ben-Gurion Canal through Gaza which would be, I think, like 200 miles, which is just insane. But, I mean, if they did the Suez Canal however long ago, they could surely do something 50% larger now. Maybe that is part of what's going on in Gaza. I don't know. But um, so that area is important, and Yemen is there. Like, um, its land is the, I guess, northeast side of that strait, of those straits. And look, I mean, if we treat people like Syria, treat people like Yemen— terribly, they're entitled to have allies. And if Iran is there, then we're creating that problem. And we treated Iran terribly in the Iran-Iraq war also, by the way. I'm not defending Iran. They say stupid things. I'm not even sure they're 100% like uh, on the, you know, on the other side. You know, I'm not even sure they're not part of a dialectic there. However, what, what are Yemenis supposed to do? And if they're being mistreated, if they, uh, if they're only defense is to take pot shots at people on the other team riding by. I mean, you have to get into the history of it, but I believe that Saudi Arabia has committed some serious atrocities against Yemen. We never, I think we helped them take out the latest guy, Hadi, whatever his name was. Um, who was the guy who was minding the store when Yemen was instrumental in 9-11 and we didn't take him out then? But when they started causing problems for Saudi Arabia, then we take the guy out um, or whatever. We got involved. We didn't take the guy out, but we got involved. I'm a little rusty on that because that was quite a while ago. That was under Obama um, that this thing started, I think maybe 2015. Anyway, uh, so, but my point was just that, um, or I have a couple of points about this, the things that make me crazy, is that this is, why are we there? We are there because we are an empire. Get your mind around that. You cannot... When we say they, we're defending ourselves, they'll even say we're defending assets, U.S. assets. You can't have assets abroad and expect to be able to uh, be the police force, be the army in territory that is not yours. And furthermore, uh, why they, the one of the reasons they say we were there is to protect commercial shipping. Why are we the police of the Red Sea? And I've heard this about the Pacific, too. We police the oceans of the world. Why? We're not getting paid for that. It's not right. And and what happens, yes, maybe our payment is getting super cheap goods and allowing our uh, industry to spread our goods around the world, although I think mostly our goods are like movies and service, so I'm not 100% sure. But don't do that. Don't do that. Let those goods have natural costs 
And then maybe we wouldn't, we would be a little more autonomous in what we produce. I mean, it's the same thing about the interstate highway system and stuff. You're totally subsidizing Chinese goods getting deeper and deeper into the U.S. Why? You know, you, then and then all of a sudden it creates a whole nother n- layer of policy needed. But in any case, this makes me nervous because they said that they are going to, they may retaliate. That gives us more of a reason to be over there, more of a reason to have a military presence there. I'm I'm against it. Anyway, uh, so let's take a break. I want to talk about, um, get into the Gaza thing, but let's take a little break and see if, uh, let's see what the, what the commenters are saying. All right, let me see if I can. Okay, gold prices are on the up, gentlemen skeptics says. Uh, Joe, not a Fed, says the American empire is probably screwed in the Southern Americas as well. China and Russia are making friends. Hi, I'm the USA and I'm here to help is seen as a threat. I'm sure they can take their uh, example from Africa, where when I was on the radio years ago, and I just wasn't savvy enough to pick up on it, that I had Af- I, there was a lot of African immigration into Atlanta, and I had an African guy call and say, we, "You know, you are our, you are our hope. You're a great white hope, or whatever." And um, and JFK was somebody they really trusted and had hope for, and then it just went downhill all the way. We betrayed them at every crossing. Uh, Joe says he got nuked from Twitter two years ago for being mean. That's exactly what I think gets you nuked. Uh, they want to uh, abandon Biden. Abandon. Abandon Biden. Cute. Very cute. Oh, wow. Joe not a fed. Yes. Yes, you did use it. He said he lived in Yemen for almost five years. It's called the Bab al-Mandeb Strait, and it is the southern entrance to the Suez Canal. Understood. The U.S. and Saudi killed hundreds of thousands and couldn't stop them. Um, uh... Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Gentleman skeptic, this is very, very well put. That's the Roman Empire's excuse. They conquered the world in self-defense. That is really, really funny. Um, okay. Kissinger, the late bad Kissinger, said being the United States friend was fatal. Yikes. Okay, so let us let us go on to the Gaza stuff. So this is where I kind of, I just wanted this to be a news roundup, but I ended up uh, having a little bit of a deep dive in here because I really don't want to talk about the Gaza stuff. I don't like it. It's like abortion and 9-11 and COVID and the vax. If you don't, anybody who's having this conversation right now, I don't think is on the fence. And what's even more compelling to me to just like move on, not spend my time on it, is that there are so many impassioned advocates on both sides of all of those issues that I'm sure that there is somebody handling this better than uh, than me, like, driving by or even diving, diving deep. I mean, there are people who know the whole thing. Like, when I had that conversation with Gregory Harms recently, which I, I actually do have a couple of um, points of departure from him that I'm going to cover um, today. Anyway, so... Uh, I don't know if y'all listen to Fox News at all. I just try to like hear what the headlines are. The headlines are all Gaza. So don't bother listening to Fox News for a while. I don't never listen to CNN, so I wouldn't even know. Um, But here's the thing. So how I got myself sucked into a deep dive is I read this Wall Street Journal article today, just the first article on the first page of the Wall Street Journal. That was it. And Fox and Wall Street Journal, basically the same thing. And they're absolutely Israel's mouthpiece. not, I don't think anyone would dispute that. The 
propaganda that comes out of that is 100%. It's really Netanyahu. It's not even Israel because they don't talk about all the Israelis and Jews who are protesting this stuff. You know, like that's a big thing. I mentioned it last time on the show that the, the, one of the two, uh, organizations that was kicked off Columbia is called Jewish Voices for Peace, you know, and you don't hear that on Fox or the Wall Street Journal. So uh, they are definitely not, they are definitely spinning it on the one side. And another thing that's kind of annoying is that the two sides here now, uh, so you're not allowed to evaluate the subject on its face. You're either, uh, if you're, you're, you're in one of two baskets, right? So the basket of deplorables, like the Trump supporters, whatever, the Fox, Wall Street Journal, they're trying to put the pro-Netanyahu stuff in that basket. And anything that's against Netanyahu's policies is going in the bas- what I call the basket of irrationals because they're, they don't even have any ideology anymore. It's kind of like you're a communist, but you're pro-vax mandates for big, big pharma. Like, I don't get it at all. But anyway, if you're against Netanyahu's policies— you have to be in this basket that includes wokeism, Marxism, and all of that. And I really, my feeling is that this is, that is being set up because the protests have been getting a lot of oxygen from the beginning, from the press. Maybe not on Fox and Wall Street Journal, but it's plenty out there. And I mean, the the battle lines are being drawn. And it also is giving a lot of, credibility to the Palestinian side and what's happening now, this invasion. So now, like the news is that Israel's invading. They had a peace, they had a pause in the peace process, whatever. They had a pause in the war to have some hostage exchange. I don't know. For Hamas, the official story is Hamas to return some hostages to Israel, which they did. But the peace thing broke down. And uh, now they're that now Israel's doubling down. I'm going to read a lot of passages from this article, like five passages from this article, and we can just like break it down. But I do believe that they're, that, so like 80% of the people have been displaced in Palestine. They've been corralled to the South, and now the South is being bombed, and Egypt won't let them in. So they can't just step across the border, wait, and come back. They're going to have to go, (laughs) right? And we know that the big issue with the Palestinians, one of the big, big issues has been uh, the they want the right to return. So if they have title to property, they want to be able to go live in that property. And that is a dispute because they are not. I actually know somebody who is a Palestinian with title to the property. He's not allowed to go home, so he lives here. But he is not happy. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't think that we're great. Like, he's not the most patriotic guy in the world, right? So uh, so I feel like to, to the Milner-Fabian conspiracy that I talked to Courtney Turner about where I was shocked at the end that it was... You know, and I'm still not even 100% convinced, but I'm just going to tell you that this is the theory. This is a dialectical theory that they are trying to implement for sure with this clash of civilizations is to get the, uh, I mean, I feel almost like what they want is a kind of race-based slavery guilt thing like we have in Europe. And they can do that if they have these people who have been displaced, removed from their land against their will um, even if you just talk about this exact situation right now and not even historically, then they end up in your country. You took them because you perhaps supported the UK, US, Netanyahu coalition. You feel bad. The world feels bad. They're pissed off. 
you try to accommodate you know you know what i'm talking about <laughs> so so i think that 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 dialectical thing is definitely a part of how this is playing out primarily it's just netanyahu doing his thing oh that means it's the bottom of the hour so in future i don't know about today but in future i'll probably break and finish up the deeper dive for the premium listeners which if you just want to hear this commercial free and there is some premium material coming soon anyway you can uh, subscribe. If you just want to hear the show, subscribe to Deep Dives with Monica Perez on iTunes. But if you want it commercial-free and eventually have some bonus material, uh, there's just a way to subscribe right there on iTunes. Just click it. It's five bucks a month. And it greatly helps to frame the cost of the show, which is still operating in the red. <laughs> That's okay. We'll get out of it. Um, anyway, so... So they are, they're, I think they're setting up a massive diaspora, a massive diaspora. And I've kind of seen that from the beginning. So let's just talk about this article. And in the context of, I mean, should I get super broad with this? How deep a dive do you guys want? Um, Joe says, Western News asks why Arab countries won't take in Palestinians. You're right. If they leave, they won't be allowed back. Also, Egypt and Jordan can't afford million refugees. That is absolutely, I believe that totally. But it also helps to get them super far away if you don't want them to come back. Um, EC bets that I hide joints in my books. Well, I don't, but <laughs> I have teenagers in this house. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. So, all right, so... Let's just reel it back. And maybe this this will be the right place to go into the premium stuff because I've got like another, you know, this is going to be kind of a little mini deep dive. So the so let's just uh, say goodbye to the free listeners. I hope you join on the premium side. If you're here right now I, on YouTube or Rockfin or Rumble listening to me, which is, I try to do this at two o'clock Pacific, five o'clock Eastern, on weekdays, maybe not every weekday, but maybe every other weekday. If you're here, we're going to keep this going. You're hearing it commercial-free. You're going to hear the whole thing. But later on, we might parse it up a little bit. Okay. Anyway, so first of all, if you want to look at this from a moral point of view, they keep saying October 7th. Even my priest said yesterday, you know, because of Hamas's attack on October 7th, you know, there's this war. And I was like, come on. Um, well, you know, maybe I say, like, come on, because I think anything that could be a false flag is a false flag, especially if it's something done by a weaker party, something incredibly unlikely to be successful from a weaker party that brings back predictable, uh, just deluge of destruction. Then I think, why would anyone do that? Didn't, didn't they learn from 9-11? So, so, so maybe you think it's a false flag, in which case there's no justification for this. But if it, if it isn't a false flag, then you have to look at the tenets of a just war. So I'm going to read the tenets of a just war. I'm going to tell you what Wikipedia says Hamas's beef is. I'm not bringing my own judgment or research into it. Um, and then I'm going to go to the article from the Wall Street Journal, and you can see if what they're saying satisfies the requirement for a just war. Okay. So uh, having a just cause, being a last resort, war should be a last resort, War has to be declared by a proper authority, needs to possess the right intention, has to have a reasonable chance of success, and the end has to be proportional to the means used. So have a just cause, be a last resort, declared by a proper authority, right intention, reasonable chance of success, 
and the end is proportional to the means. Uh, okay, Wiki says that Hamas stated that the October 7th attack was in response to the blockade of the Gaza Strip. So Israel has ships keeping them from trading with the outside world directly. The expansion of illegal Israeli settlements, rising Israeli settler violence, and recent escalations. Uh, it says, after clearing Hamas militants, the Israel military responded by conducting an extensive aerial bombardment campaign in which 6,000 bombs were dropped over six days and uh, imposed a total blockade of the Gaza Strip, followed by large-scale ground invasion. So have to think about proportionality and what was the purpose. And and for me, I just say, like, they continue to say that they're wanting to root out Hamas, um, you know, soldiers and masterminds. Do you, do you think that basically nuking every inch of the entire country is the best way to do that? The, even the most effective way, not just the most moral way. And I, I heard on Fox News, they said every single solitary person in Gaza is highly surveilled. Like they know everything about them. They can do facial gate recognition, everything from far away. There's no two ways about it. And, uh, you know, and there, one thing they did, they blew up these, this entire city or a city block or whatever. There's, there's tunnels underneath there. It's like, okay, well, do you have to kill all those women and children? Um, Anyways, just listen to what they're, they are saying from the Wall Street Journal. Talks between Israel and Hamas to hand over hostages held in Gaza in return for a pause in fighting there have stalled, the White House said on Sunday, while Israeli forces step up attacks and direct Palestinians into the enclave to move into a narrower strip of land. So they are definitely uh, corralling them. It reminds me, there not there like a cop tactic in New York called like ring fencing? And they like chase people, but they're all like heading into a dead end and then they just round them all up and get rid of them. I think that's what it's called. All right. Uh, it says the negotiations have stopped. John Kirby of the National Security Council said, and he blames Hamas for failing to provide a fresh list of civilian women and children to be released. Now, my understanding of this story is that here it is. It, this is what Wiki says, the surprise attack. The surprise attack comprised a barrage of rockets while around 3,000 militants breached the Gaza-Israel barrier and attacked Israeli military bases and civilian population centers. At least 846 Israeli civilians and 324 soldiers and police were killed during the attacks, while an estimated 240 Israeli and foreign nationals were taken as hostages to the Gaza Strip. So, a lot of those people supposedly were killed at that music festival. I think there were around 3,000 people at that music festival. They compared it to Coachella, but I think Coachella is more like 300,000, you know, something crazy like that, or even 60,000. It's either 20 times or like 100 times. It's not what you think. So for them to kill 800 people there, that's a huge number. And the idea that they came in in hang gliders is, you know, hard for someone like me who doesn't believe anything to believe. But to take 240 hostages back with them, like, how many of them died? You know what I mean? Like, like was this not a suicide mission? Did most of them get back? You know, like, how, how do you do that with people kicking and screaming? It just seems hard for me to believe the actual narrative here. And I don't know if Hamas agrees with this narrative or what, but it's just, it's hard for me to buy this. Okay, so... Hamas's deputy political chief said the militant group has only hostages who are soldiers and civilians serving in the army. They have, quote, civilians serving in the army. 
so that's what Hamas says. They have civilians start. That's like white Hispanics. Like it's definitional. You don't have civilians serving in the army. What what I think they have there is a draft that unless you're Orthodox, I believe like if you're a breeder, they, I mean, that's how I think of it is like they don't have to get vaxxed and they have all the kids and I don't even think they have to work. And, um, but actually my understanding is that there's a lot of pressure for everyone to have kids. But anyway, so I believe every boy and girl, teen boy and girl, is drafted into the army for at least one or two years. And so therefore they're all either in the army or they're veterans. And I would say they're not, they cannot consider them civilians. And while I am not in favor of a draft, most of these people or their parents emigrated there, knowing what the rule was, knowing that there's this disputed land, knowing that you have to enter. So I think it's, to call them civilians in the military is a little, little tr- uh, okay, Israel has also instructed Palestinians to move away from the southern areas it plans to target, pushing most of the population of 2.3 million into an ever smaller patch of territory bordering Egypt. 1.8 million out of 2.3. Uh, so it seems to me that they're just clearing the land. I mean, could you imagine if like 275 million Americans moved to Washington state because Mexico started attacking? I mean, it's over, right? Like, if everybody abandoned everything, like, that's, you're not getting that, you know. (sighs) Anyway, um, their military chief of staff in Israel said Israel's military would operate in southern Gaza in the same way it did in the northern part of the enclave, which I worried about from the beginning. When they told everybody to go south, I was like, and then what happens? He said it included massive ground incursion backed by air, naval, and artillery support with an emphasis on killing Hamas's senior military commanders. Um, you know, I almost wonder if they're printing this stuff to fuel the dialectic, to fuel the people who would object to this, which there are a lot of people inside Israel, too. Uh, it says Israel faces U.S. pressure to better protect civilians in the next stage of the war, which has killed more than 15,500 Palestinians, mostly women and children, according to the health authorities in Hamas-controlled Gaza. Uh, they do not distinguish between civilians and combatants. But I don't know, they're mostly women and children. Are they combatants? Are they civilian combatants? Like, what? Whatever. Um, okay. In addition, they, they are ramping up bombardment in the north as well. So it's not like they can rotate back to where the stuff was blown up, supposedly to take out tunnels, right? And I wonder, you know, where else do they use tunnels? They said, well, they don't use them in the West Bank. Mexico, the Mexican drug cartels supposedly use the tunnels. If you listen to the GOP debates, I wonder if some of these people really want to invade Mexico and use as an excuse. I mean, I'm telling you, this I, I see these precedents having real impact. Um, okay, so here I wanted to address why I was a little bit in dispute with Gregory Harms. If you heard my interview with him recently, he's so well researched on this. He's written books on it. He's been there. And um, he rightly says that this does not benefit this, the Israeli people. And I've got to say... Netanyahu, his corruption, um, his corruption trial continues. He was basically ousted like three times. I cannot believe he's back in control. And the biggest political thing that was happening on October 7th was massive nationwide protests against a really controversial judicial reform that Netanyahu was trying to force on the Israelis. So um, I don't think that this has I would say I wouldn't be surprised if a minority of Israelis were in favor of what Netanyahu's doing. Now, if they absolutely believe every word of the narrative about October 7th, then maybe that is a game changer in hearts and minds, but uh, it depends on if they have free press. 
Anyway, but I do have to disagree with Harms that Israel has to want Gaza because they are clearly clearing it. They're just clearing it out of people. I mean, if they, even if they go back and say, all right, we have this new government there, we're going to still call it Palestine. My guess is they're going to build their own beach resorts there, open it up to foreign hotels or build that Ben-Gurion Canal. Like something's going to come out of this. Um, anyway, so that that's like what I got out of one article in the Wall Street Journal and I just got fatigued and I'm going to wrap it up. But I just let me reread the just war. You have to have a just cause. The war has to be last resort, declared by proper authority, possess the right intention, have a reasonable chance of success, and the end needs to be proportional to the means. So uh, anyway, this the last thing I will say is about this hashtag abandon Biden movement, if you've heard of that and don't know what it means. I'll also go back to comments. So if you guys want to put some comments here, I'll hang around a little bit after this. Uh, abandoned by the so-called abandoned Biden campaign from Reuters, this is began when Minnesota Muslim Americans demanded Biden call for a ceasefire by October 31st. This has spread to Michigan, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Florida. It says a recent poll showed Biden's support among Arab Americans has plunged from a comfortable majority in 2020 to 17%. Oh, listen to you know, that's interesting because a couple of years ago. It was when Trump was running against Hillary. I I think it was that long ago. I went to two different doctors who happened to be of Arab origin. And one of them was like reprimanded me for not calling myself Arab because I'm of Syrian descent. But I was taught that we weren't Arab. And she's like, that's a, they just do that to separate us. But I don't think so. I mean, I have atlases from like over a hundred years ago and Syria is not part of the Arab Peninsula. And I mean, in that, it'll say that's a different like race, but <laughs> I don't think so. Um, anyway, but I just was like, okay, okay. Like what's, you know, why do I have a stomach ache? So at the other, uh, another one, I was going to get my eyes checked and the guy closed the door and he's like, I have to talk to you. And he didn't know that, I mean, he could tell by looking at me, but I mean, I didn't tell him my grandmother was Syrian. And he's like, you know, this is life or death struggle. Like Trump must not get elected. And I was like, don't, you're, don't fall for the, you know, <laughs> don't fall for the dialectic. You know what I mean? But, but so these were Arab Americans who were really putting it on the line in their own, you know, put their money where their mouth was to support Democrats. So the fact that the support plunged to 17% from a majority is actually a big deal, depending on how many of them there are. It says it could be decisive in a state like Michigan, where Biden won by 2.8 percentage points and Arab Americans account for 5% of the vote. Uh, yeah, math works there. There are around 25,000 Muslim voters in Wisconsin, where Biden won by only 20,000 votes. And in Arizona, where, where Biden won by around 10,500 votes, there are over 25,000 Muslim voters. So hashtag abandon Biden even if it stays confined to the Arab community, could be a difference maker, but it probably would spread. Uh, and again, I would say traditionally, you could see what's coming in this election. Powell cuts rates in March. The economy starts doing better. Biden wins. And either 
dies in office, abdicates, you know, retires or passes the torch on to Kamala, who becomes the first Indian American, I mean, woman or whatever, woman and Indian American president in U.S. history. And I have to say the Indian thing is definitely, you know, having an Indian American in office, in the highest office, wouldn't surprise me given that they're prominent in the race, Vivek and Nikki and uh, Kamala. And also because Fishy Rishi got there, got to the highest position in UK politics without help from voters at all. So it seems like that's on the agenda. Uh, all right. So, yes, this is Monica Perez. Thank you for listening. And I am going to get to some comments here. Now, Frightening Me says, I think uh, a Brandon Joe Biden catches on in the Asian community. Very easy to listen to. Me? Are you talking about moi? Thank you, dear. What? What? I'm reading this backwards. Uh, if you're talking about somebody else, I'll know too. Um, okay, so I'm going to read these slowly. And if you're here live, that's great. If if this ends up in a podcast feed somewhere, hopefully some of these pauses will be edited out. Um, okay. All right, here we go. The narratives aren't working as well as they used to. Israel doesn't have the green light to carpet bomb that they thought they had. Uh, and sadly, thoughts and prayers won't make a difference. Uh, Gentleman Skeptic says, how did something of that magnitude slip the intel net of Mossad, the CIA, Israel in general, and the Egyptians knew all about it? No way. Oh, yes, I don't smoke, but you know, I love CBD. I have to say, I and I will plug True Hemp Science in most... Uh, sincerity because it totally changed my life. Love the CBD. If I do the CBD with the THC in it, I get brain fog. So I can only do zero trace, as they say. I'm getting my lingo down. Um, Israel is also using Gaza as an excuse to wreak havoc in the West Bank. Oh, I was wondering what was going on in the West Bank. Um, he also says it's partly about oil and gas. Gaza has a lot of stuff in it. If it's Palestinian-free, then it all belongs to Israel, if there are no Palestinians there. Yeah, although I would say they can just put, you know, a more conventional puppet government in there. Um, oh, yes, yes. This is an interesting point. Gentleman Skeptic says, I wonder if the phrase from the river to the sea is reverse psychology that Israel would be free of Palestinians. I believe the Israel flag is like two rivers or from the river to the sea. I actually thought that that was an Israeli mantra. I couldn't believe when the other side was saying it. Um, latest from Hamas is that the, all the women and children have been released and the remaining hostages are men and soldiers. Yes, but they have also said that other people are holding other hostages. I don't know exactly how they got them and that they say they're not responsible for them. Um he says there's lots of natural gas off the coast. Joe says lots of weirdness October 7th, including a six-hour delay in response. Egypt claims that they informed Israel a year ago. Joe, Joe, whom we love, has been in the hospital a lot, so maybe you can be my secret researcher. <laughs> Come to the shows and, and keep me up to speed. Um, yes, so that's right. Oh, this is funny. Frightening me says, D.C. is full of tunnels, too. And uh, that's probably actually true, but that might sway me as to whether or not you can level an entire city just to blow up their tunnels. Ah, Hamas's leadership is in Qatar. Maybe they will. Oh, because aren't we friends with Qatar? Um, 
The kids are calling the president Genocide Joe. Ah, see, that's what I was looking for. (laughs) Literally, you're a legend, Monica. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Biden will be replaced, Joe says, but I don't think it will help the Democrats. Not that it matters. The Republicans are 98%. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know what I say about the Democrats and the Republicans? The Democrats tell, I think, I forget, I used to say it more eloquently, but basically the Democrats tell a truth that I hate and the Republicans tell me lies that I like. <laughs> you know, basically, except when it comes to the war stuff. Or what I used to say about Rush is half the time I disagree with him and the other half of the time he's lying. I would say that's the, that's true for the Republicans. Yay. Uh, All right, sweeties. Thank you so, so much. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and coming up. I went a little bit over. I'm trying to rein this in a little bit. I want to share the daily news with y'all because I'm reading it anyway, and I have all these notes anyway. So if I don't come out and share it with you, then um, it's all wasted. And I'm trying to get my Monica Perez show feedback from WSB. So maybe... Maybe I'll just relaunch the Monica Perez show. I don't know. Is it too, has it been too long? We shall see. We shall see what Apple's, I think Apple and WSB are the, are the decision makers on this one. Anyway, I'm meandering. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you again. I'm hoping to do another one of these, uh, this week. So I will, I always post on Twitter like an hour or two before if I'm doing it, but I try to make sure it's at two o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Pacific. So love you guys. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel and it'll, it'll notify you anyway. Thank you.